Atlantis is on board. Testing, testing.
interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. Our very own Pop Princess now, Queen of Pop, has a special announcement she would like to make. establish the vehicle of impeachment that has occupied both houses of our Congress these many days. We have labored to faithfully execute our responsibilities to it. We have arrived at different judgments, but I hope we respect each other's good faith. The allegations made in the articles of impeachment are very serious. As a senator juror, I swore an oath before God to exercise impartial justice. I am profoundly religious. My faith is at the heart of who I am. I take an oath before God as enormously consequential. I knew from the outset that being tasked with judging the president, the leader of my own party, would be the most difficult decision I have ever faced. I was not wrong. The House managers presented evidence supporting their case, and the White House counsel disputed that case. In addition, the president's team presented three defenses. First, that there could be no impeachment without a statutory crime. Second, that the Biden's con- conduct justified the president's actions. And third, that the judgment of the president's actions should be left to the voters. Let me first address those three defenses. The historic meaning of the words high crimes and misdemeanors, the writings of the founders, and my own reasoned judgment convinced me that a president can indeed commit acts against the public trust that are so egregious that while they are not statutory crimes, they would demand removal from office. To maintain that the lack of a codified and comprehensive list of all the outrageous acts that a president might conceivably commit renders Congress powerless to remove such a president, defies reason. The President's counsel also notes that Vice President Biden appeared to have a conflict of interest when he undertook an effort to remove the Ukrainian Prosecutor General. If he knew of the exorbitant compensation his son was receiving from a company actually under investigation, 
the vice president should have recused himself. While ignoring a conflict of interest is not a crime, it is surely very wrong. With regards to Hunter Biden, taking excessive advantage of his father's name is unsavory, but also not a crime. Given that in neither the case of the father nor the son was any evidence presented by the president's counsel that a crime had been committed, the president's insistence that they be investigated by the Ukrainians is hard to explain other than as a political pursuit. There's no question in my mind that were their names not Biden, the president would never have done what he did. The defense argues that the Senate should leave the impeachment decision to the voters. While that logic is appealing to our democratic instincts, it is inconsistent with the Constitution's requirement that the Senate, not the voters, try the president. Hamilton explained that the founders' decision to invest senators with this obligation rather than leave it to the voters was intended to minimize, to the extent possible, the partisan sentiments of the public at large. So the verdict is ours to render under our Constitution. The people will judge us for how well and faithfully we fulfill our duty. The great question the Constitution tasks senators to answer is whether the president committed an act so extreme and egregious that it rises to the level of a high crime and misdemeanor. Yes, he did. The president asked a foreign government to investigate his political rival. The president withheld vital military funds from that government to press it to do so. The president delayed funds for an American ally at war with Russian invaders. The president's purpose was personal and political. Accordingly, the president is guilty of an appalling abuse of public trust. What he did was not perfect. No, it was a flagrant assault on our electoral rights, our national security, and our fundamental values. Corrupting an election to keep oneself in office is perhaps the most abusive and destructive violation of one's oath of office that I can imagine. In the last several weeks, I've received numerous calls and texts. Many demanded in their words that I stand with the team. I can assure you that that thought has been very much on my mind. You see, I support a great deal of what the president has done. I voted with him 80% of the time. But my promise before God to apply impartial justice required that I put my personal feelings and political biases aside. Were I to ignore the evidence that has been presented and disregard what I believe my oath and the Constitution demands of me for the sake of a partisan end, it would, I fear, expose my character to history's rebuke and the censure of my own conscience. I'm aware that there are people in my party and in my state who will strenu strenuously disapprove of my decision, and in some quarters I will be vehemently denounced. I'm sure to hear abuse from the president and his supporters. Does anyone seriously believe that I would consent to these consequences other than from an inescapable conviction that my oath before God demanded it of me? 
I sought to, hear, sought to hear testimony from John Bolton, not only because I believed he could add context to the charges, but also because I hoped that what he might say could raise reasonable doubt and thus remove from me the awful obligation to vote for impeachment. Like each member of this deliberative body, I love our country. I believe that our Constitution was inspired by providence. I'm convinced that freedom itself is dependent on the strength and vitality of our national character. As it is with each senator, my vote is an act of conviction. We've come to different conclusions, fellow senators, but I trust we have all followed the dictates of our conscience. I acknowledge that my verdict will not remove the president from office. The results of this Senate court will in fact be appealed to a higher court, the judgment of the American people. Voters will make the final decision, just as the president's lawyers have implored. My vote will likely be in the minority in the Senate. But irrespective of these things, with my vote, I will tell my children and their children that I did my duty to the best of my ability, believing that my country expected it of me. I will only be one name among many, no more, no less, to future generations of Americans who look at the record of this trial. They will note merely that I was among the senators who determined that what the president did was wrong, grievously wrong. We are all footnotes at best in the annals of history, but in the most powerful nation on earth, the nation conceived in liberty and justice, that distinction is enough for any citizen. Thank you, Mr. President. I yield the floor. To Atlantis's onboard computers. Atlantis now in control of the countdown. 20. Firing chain is armed. Sound suppression water system activated. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5. Liftoff of Space Shuttle Atlantis on a mission to build, resupply, and to do research on the International Space Station. Houston now controlling. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to an all-new show of All You Need to Know Radio. Thank you so much for joining the number one show in the world. I am your host, John Hollywood. On tonight's show, we are going to talk about the most corrupt president that has ever sat in the office at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. How did you get there, do you say? By completely using a foreign country to flood the internet with fake advertising, therefore using a foreign country to become the leader of the free world, which is a violation of the U.S. Constitution. However, we have cowards and Donald Trump's bitches in the Senate, and they refuse to do anything. So it's up to us in November. Let's talk more about this tonight. This is John Hollywood with All You Need to Know Radio. And the show, let's get after it. Let's make it happen. I don't like that. How about, and it starts right now.
must have come as a shock, a pleasant shock to this president, that our norms and institutions would prove to be so weak. The independence of the Justice Department and its formerly proud Office of Legal Counsel, now mere legal tools at the president's disposal to investigate enemies or churn out helpful opinions not worth the paper they are written on. The FBI painted by a president as corrupt and disloyal. The intelligence community not to be trusted against the good counsel of Vladimir Putin. The press portrayed as enemies of the people. The daily attacks on the guardrails of our democracy so relentlessly assailed have made us numb and blind to the consequences. Does none of that matter anymore if he's the president of our party? I hope and pray that we never have a president like Donald Trump in the Democratic Party, one that would betray the national interest and the country's security to help with his reelection. And I would hope to God that if we did, we would impeach him and Democrats would lead the way. But I suppose you never know just how difficult that is until you are confronted with it. But you, my friends, are confronted with it. You are confronted with that difficulty now, and you must not shrink from it. History will not be kind to Donald Trump. I think we all know that. Not because it will be written by never-Trumpers, but because whenever we have departed from the values of our nation, we have come to regret it. And that regret is written all over the pages of our history. If you find that the House has proved its case and still vote to acquit, your name will be tied to his with a cord of steel and for all of history. But if you find the courage to stand up to him, to speak the awful truth to his rank falsehood, your place will be among the Davids who took on Goliath. If only you will say enough. We revere the wisdom of our founders and the insights they had into self-governance. We scour their words for hidden meaning and try to place ourselves in their shoes. But we have one advantage that the founders did not. For all their genius, they could not see but opaquely into the future. We, on the other hand, have the advantage of time, of seeing how their great experiment in self-governance has progressed. When we look at the sweep of history, there are times when our nation and the rest of the world have moved with a seemingly irresistible force in the direction of greater freedom. More freedom to speak and to assemble, to practice our faith and tolerate the faith of others to love whom we would and choose love over hate. More free societies, walls tumbling down, nations reborn. But then, like a pendulum approaching the end of its arc, the outward movement begins to arrest. The golden globe of freedom reaches its zenith and starts to retreat. The pendulum swings back past the center and recedes into a dark unknown. How much farther it will travel in its illiberal direction, how many more freedoms will be extinguished before it turns back, we cannot say. But what we do here, in this moment, will affect its course and its correction. Every single vote, even a single vote, by a single member, can change the course of history.
It is said that a single man or woman of courage makes a majority. Is there one among you who will say, enough? America believes in a thing called truth. She does not believe we are entitled to our own alternate facts. She recoils at those who spread pernicious falsehoods. To her, truth matters. There is nothing more corrosive to a democracy than the idea that there is no truth. America also believes there is a difference between right and wrong, and right matters here. But there is more. Truth matters, right matters, but so does decency. Decency matters. When the president smears a patriotic public servant like Marie Ivanovich in pursuit of a corrupt aim, we recoil. When the president mocks the disabled, a war hero who is a prisoner of war or a gold star father, we are appalled because decency matters here. And when the president tries to coerce an ally to help him cheat in our elections and then covers it up, we must say enough, enough. He has betrayed our national security and he will do so again. He has compromised our elections and he will do so again. You will not change him. You cannot constrain him. He is who he is. Truth matters little to him. What's right matters even less and decency matters not at all. I do not ask you to convict him because truth or right or decency matters nothing to him, but because we have proven our case and it matters to you. Truth matters to you. Right matters to you. You are decent. He is not who you are. In Federalist 55, James Madison wrote, that there were certain qualities in human nature, qualities I believe like honesty, right, and decency, which should justify our confidence in self-government. He believed that we possessed sufficient virtue, that the chains of despotism were not necessary to restrain ourselves from destroying and devouring one another. It may be midnight in Washington, but the sun will rise again. I put my faith in the optimism of the founders. You should too. They gave us the tools to do the job, a remedy as powerful as the evil it was meant to constrain, impeachment. They meant it to be used rarely, but they put it in the Constitution for a reason, for a man who would sell out his country for a political favor, for a man who would threaten the integrity of our elections, for a man who would invite foreign interference in our affairs, for a man who would undermine our national security and that of our allies, for a man like Donald J. Trump. They gave you a remedy and they meant for you to use it. They gave you an oath and they meant for you to observe it. We have proven Donald Trump guilty. Now do impartial justice and convict him.
Good evening, everybody, and welcome to All You Need to Know Radio. If my voice sounds a little weird, because uh, I've been kind of sick for the last few days, excuse me, Uh, this is All You Need to Know Radio, heard exclusively live on Block Talk Radio. Welcome back. We now have our best in justice, guy joining us from Warwich and Nunn, Almost Warwich. Hi, Almost. How are you? How are you doing, John? Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, man, I wish I could tell you I'm doing better, but I feel, ugh. And that's why the title of this week's show with everything that's going on with the Senate and the blasphemy they're dealing with and just the unconsciousness of it all is I want to throw up in my mouth because I'm just Mm. over it. Mm. So did you get to hear Adam Schiff's closing argument? I heard some of it. I did not hear it uh, just a second ago, but um, I'm aware of what he said, and um, I think that his point that they proved their case and Donald Trump is guilty is apropos. Uh, The issue is not whether or not he was guilty. It was whether or not the Republicans cared enough to do anything about it, and they clearly demonstrated that they didn't. That's right, and Copperhead is joining us right now. Can you hear us? Hey, that's again. Say hello to Almost. Can you hear me? Hello, Almost. Hi, Copperhead. Nice to talk to you. Hey, guys. Hold on one second. Breaking news from All You Need to Know Radio. Pete Buttigieg has won Iowa, the first openly gay man to run for president has won a major race. Let's listen to Mayor Pete. Okay, well, I thought we were going to hear more than that, but long story short is that with over 69% of the vote or 62% of the vote in, it appears that Mayor Pete Buttigieg uh, is going to win Iowa. What do you think about that, Almost? I have several things to say, uh, John, and um, the first one I have to say is – With kindness and respect, I disagree with the assertion that he has won because he has won the same number of pledged delegates, which is what actually matters, as Mr. Sanders because he's 1.8 percentage points away with 62% of the votes precincts reporting. Um, If it were to be called right now, and it is not being called right now because not 100% of the precincts have reported – If it were to be called right now, I think it would be fairly called a tie, not um, 
that one candidate significantly out, outdid the other. I think the real news here is that uh, Biden completely cratered and is clearly in fourth place. Um, I think the other thing to say about that is if you look at the divide um, where it's Buttigieg, Biden, and Klobuchar versus Sanders, Warren, and Yang, it's almost perfectly 50-50. It's 50.1 to 49.9. The Democrats are split. Uh, Some people wanting a more progressive candidate like Sanders or Warren, and some people wanting a more conservative candidate like Biden or or Buttigieg. And um, it's unclear what's going to happen following uh, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Super Tuesday. Um, My prediction, uh, based on his polling in Super Tuesday and especially in California, which has gone up in the um, importance for the first time this year, will be an earlier voting state. Um, I still predict that Sanders will be the eventual nominee um, or at least will get more votes than any other candidate. Uh, Exactly how that plays out with um, the Democratic National Committee and their clear preference for a non-progressive candidate. Um, I'm not exactly sure whether he will ultimately be the nominee, but I think it is unlikely that Buttigieg will be the nominee for several reasons. Um, I think he's going to do worse, much worse, than he did in Iowa in um, more diverse states. I think he'll do poorly in California, poorly in New York, poorly in the South. And um, I'm interested you know how many to see if he can maintain people, the momentum. You know many, do you know how many gay people are in California? <laughs> yeah, Maybe five percent of the population. Know, it's it's not that big it's of a voting joke. block. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. No, I agree with yeah. you. I don't. I. What I was saying is that it's a big deal because he won it's a huge. major race. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I think Buttigieg, you know, he's his his fight. If there's one thing I like about him, and I I've mentioned on this show before that I I don't actually like him very much, even though clearly superior to Donald Trump, and if he is the nominee, I will absolutely campaign and vote for him. But um, I, one, one of the reasons I don't like him that much is you know, his um, policy agenda, but one of the reasons I love him is what he's doing for, for homosexuals and homosexual men kind of um, normalizing what really is a normal thing that has been around for you know, thousands and thousands of millennia and is part of the human condition but um you know recently has become stigmatized in the west and so you know him being normal he he's a, he's a gay man but he's a he's a very normal gay man he's not and especially in the um, wake of a drag DC losing DC exactly. losing the right hey, for same sex hold on one second in copperhead hold on one second copperhead uh, cuz i do want copperhead to respond to you but this show mm-hmm. has actually picked a nominee and it's not Buttigieg, but I'll tell you who it is in just a second. Go ahead, Copperhead. Okay. Uh, just talking about it's interesting that uh, Buttigieg has done as well as he has, especially in the wake of D.C. Mm-hmm. losing the right for same-sex couples to have families. Um, that's mm-hmm. just been one of those other rollbacks that President Trump has just arbitrarily forever. Impeach forever Donald John Trump is the way he is referred to on the show, please. Let's talk about the nominees for the Democratic Party. You have uh, Mm -hmm. a very, very diversified crew. You have some that are old, some that are – Pete is the youngest uh, nominee candidate that we've ever had. We have a couple of women on there, and whereas we've had Hillary in the past, 
this is two more women who have stepped up and pushed that glass ceiling as far as they can and keep it going. And as progressive as some of these candidates are, they're so um, radical is what the Republicans would call them, all the way to conservative. Mm -hmm. We have such a spectrum of views and such a spectrum of diversification inside the Democratic Party. That's partially why we split, but that's also where our strength Mm -hmm. comes from. We're not stuck in in one thought and one dream. We challenge our beliefs and come up with the best solutions for the problems at hand. How do you think he will do in Pennsylvania on us? Um, I'm hearing he's in first place. Who? Pete Buttigieg. Oh, I believe he'll do well in Pennsylvania. Um, I think he'll do poorly in um, some of the Super Tuesday states. Um, I ultimately don't suspect he will be the nominee. Um, that said, you know, if the – whichever wing – so what I was saying at the uh, at the top of the show, how the uh, party is – almost perfectly 50-50 divided into a more conservative versus a more progressive camp, Um, in my opinion, whomever consolidates first will win. So if Warren and Yang drop out tomorrow, Bernie will almost certainly win. If Biden and and Bloomberg drop out tomorrow, uh, Buttigieg will almost certainly win. If Biden stays in the race till the convention, Buttigieg will definitely lose because he'll split the vote. Um, similarly, if Warren stays in, in the race till the convention and um, uh, Biden has dropped out, Buttigieg will definitely win. A lot of it depends on how those splits work out and when people drop out. Right. Last man okay, standing so, dictates. Go ahead, go ahead, Copperhead. Sorry. Last man standing is who dictates who of the, of the other half will win. Mm-hmm. That's my well, opinion. I might be wrong. We've actually it's made a prediction for the show. What happened with uh, a couple of our nominees in the past. So mm-hmm. all you need to know radio is saying and predicting that the Democratic nominee, are you ready? Yes. Mike Bloomberg. Oh. I really oh. think he's going to be the nominee. If that happens, I'll be very upset. Okay, so almost but I have a question for you on this one. Mm-hmm. So when does our democratic elections become an oligarchy or just a straight-up dictatorship? Because in recent months we've seen a president who claims he can do whatever he wants to and is then not put into check by the other powers of that be. And now we have a super-rich man who's spending all of his money out of his own pocket to nominate himself, ignoring the perim- the steps to do that and just coming in with dollars and getting enough buzz that he's actually a contender. So at what point in time does our democracy fall apart? That's a sad question and a complex question. Um, I would say that there is a reasonable argument that it's happened years ago. Um, A study put out by, I believe it was Stanford several years ago, um, found that the policy preferences of the wealthy are actually what makes policy in the federal government and the general policy preferences of the middle class and the poor don't actually get any attention from our federal lawmakers. So it's arguable that that happened before Donald Trump was elected. Um, In the era of um, impeached forever Donald John Trump, um, he has kind of made it more brazen that 
we'll do whatever we want and listen to only rich people. But I don't really think that was a huge change in terms of who is the government responding to. It was just kind of more brazen and more openly corrupt and criminal. Um, with regards to uh, Mr. Bloomberg and you know others, Mr. Steyer, self-funding their campaigns to the tunes of hundred, hundreds of millions of dollars, um, as like a theoretical, legal, and philosophical matter, I think it's really, really problematic to say that they can't do that. Um, you know, because they're wealthy does not necessarily mean they don't have good ideas. That said, um, there are some serious issues uh, with campaign finance that could be changed. Um, it's not really the fact that they're running. It's the fact that they're running and putting up $200 million of their own money that's the problem. Um, and I think that it would be reasonable to change policy, to have a federal law on campaign finance that um, would call for public funding of elections to level the playing field. And, you know, that was a lot the of candidate our, a lot of, uh, Bernie Sanders and the candidate Elizabeth Warren and, frankly, the candidate Andrew Yang – all three of them have called for something along the lines of public financing of elections. And they all bragged about how small election or small denominations were actually the, the bulk of their campaign. That was a huge focus this year. Correct. And so if you look at um, you know, the idea of uh, public financing of elections, that's the right policy to respond to a billionaire running for president and self-financing their campaign. But, I mean, look, that's just – we can talk about what is normatively right and wrong all day long. But if the political system is so rotten and you know the Republic, the Democratic Party is divided on whether or not there should be public financing of elections, the Republican Party is not divided. They all say there shouldn't. So um, you know, how do we get from here to there? Well, first we need to elect a president using our current system that wants to support the policy of public financing of elections. But um, I think you know, there are other issues and problems to deal with, and th that would have to get through the House and the Senate, which is very challenging when those are the people who butter their bread. Um, you know, Another option, and I don't say this lightly, is some sort of revolution or political change. Um, for from a non um, electoral means, taking the power back for the populace away from the oligarchs. Um, that's not something that I think we're going to happen. You know, is going to happen six months from now. But I think if Donald Trump is reelected, there's a real chance. Guys, hey guys, real quick, that music means we need to take a quick break. Almost give us two seconds. We're only take one or two commercials, and we will be right Absolutely, back, sir. This is All You Need to Know Radio, America's number one show, thanks to you guys, live on Blog Talk Radio. We are so blessed to have Almost Warwinch with Warwinch and Nunn, and of course our co-host. This is John Hollywood. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's your favorite radio show host, John Hollywood with All You Need to Know Radio. 
want to give you a number that you need to remember if you have any legal problems. The sponsor of our show, the Law Office of Wards and Nunn, 972-863-9592. If you have any problems with personal injury, real estate or businesses, transaction, anything like that, you need to call these rock stars. They are rock stars in the courtroom and they take no prisoners. 972-863-9592. That is Warwards and None, 972-863-9592 or all social media at Warwards and None. Warwards and None, the only name you need to know. They're the best, period. Take off with the, they're like most people. You've been forced to stay in the past by your energy provider. Trapped in a fixed rate contract you really don't understand. Paying a bill that can be more of a shock than getting struck by lightning. Think about it. You don't even know what type of energy you're using or when rates inflate or when they plunge. Or the fact your energy provider's variable price only varies based on how much pain they think you can take before switching. All of the control is with them, leaving you in the dark. You see, the actual cost of energy goes up and down and changes every 15 minutes. And yet, your energy provider charges you the same fixed rate all the time. Now, if they set it somewhere around here, it might be an okay deal. But they set it up here, and if the price of energy drops, they pay less while you continue to pay the same fixed rate up here. Oh, and let's not forget all those little add-on fees with names you can't understand. So what you pay is oftentimes a lot more than what they pay. But we decided to change that. All of it. It's time to go gritty. Gritty connections directly to the actual price of energy, bypassing the middleman. You're charged only what it costs to produce and transport your energy. There's no confusing price plans, no markups, and no fixed contracts. All you pay for is your membership fee, which costs just pennies a day. And instead of wasting time figuring out how to charge you more, we provide things that really matter, like the now price of energy, so you know what you're paying any time of day. The amount you've paid so far, and what we estimate you will pay for the month. On top of that, we send you these really nifty things called gritty alerts that tell you when the price of energy is really high or really low, so you can decide when to run your dishwasher or charge your electric spaceship. But even Welcome back to All You Need to Know Radio. I'm your host, John Hollywood, with our amazing co-host, Copperhead. Say hello to everybody. How's it going, everybody? And we also have Amos with Warwards and Nunn from our Best in Justice. So, Amos. How are you? We're fantastic. I was so disappointed to see the chief of our chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court provide over, preside, excuse me, over this kangaroo court. What did you think? Yeah. Well, um, he was hobbled 
by the fact that at the point where Mitch McConnell and I I agree with you that he could have been more vocal about what I perceived to be um clear misstatements of the evidence, okay? Um but by by attorneys for Trump. So um let me kind of clarify what I mean by that because it's a bit of an interesting claim. So um in a legal proceeding, if I were to have a trial in a courtroom like I did last week, um, the judge uh, usually does not say that much during the trial except to rule on objections. Um, in What is an objection? An objection occurs when um, one of the lawyers tries to do something that is outside of the rules of evidence. Um, and that can happen for all kinds of different reasons, often not nefarious. Um, but one of the things that judges are supposed to do is ensure that the evidence is put before the jury in as true a fashion, you know, if it is admissible, if the evidence should, you know, pat, it gets over an objection, the judge is supposed to put the evidence in front of the jury with as close to the truth as possible so they can decide the facts. And what was the evidence in the impeachment trial? There were no witnesses, uh, and there were no documents in the Senate trial. There were, however, witnesses and documents produced by the House of Representatives, and that was the evidence of record. And what happened is during several portions of both the argument and the questioning phase of the impeachment trial – the Republicans um, and their lawyers, specifically their lawyers, not really the senators or the House members, but the lawyers, um, misrepresented what the evidence was. There's you know, 90,000 pages worth of documents and the, something like 18 witness transcripts. It's irresponsible and bad judging for the judge not to prevent the lawyer from grossly mischaracterizing the evidence. So I actually don't think Robert's did that bad of a job in terms of um, his rulings on the rules because he was badly hobbled because he knew that the uh, Republicans had a veto-proof majority and could force through a rule change with 53 votes. Um, so, so I don't actually begrudge him try, not trying to change what were pretty unfair rules. What I think he did wrong was I would have liked to have seen him be more vocal when the defense lawyers for Donald Trump mischaracterized the evidence of record, which they did several times. They out and out lied. That's what I mean. I'll say it. <laughs> I'll definitely say it. Hey, well, on the um, other side, having, having this going through the Senate and having all of these objections and these uh, defenses, if you will, put in place by, the, by those lawyers, there's nothing to stop the Republicans or the Democratic Party from impeaching the president again and going through all the, nope. the paces that they demanded that they went that they demanded that they should go through as opposed to just overlook. We were uh, apparently the Republican Party needs to have every checkbox checked, even though the president has never denied that he's done these things. And its greatest defense is that not only did I do these things, it's just not impeachable kind of activities. Even though he's asking for outside forces to affect our election, and he's wanting it to happen again. The day after we get one set of 
hearings done, and we say, this is what you've done, and he says, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't know I was doing that. The very next day, he's on the phone making the same sort of stuff, this time with the full weight and swing of the presidency's powers behind his, his asking of, of foreign uh, powers to affect our elections. So it's not that he not only knows what he's doing, he knows it's illegal. He's been slapped on the hand several times for it now. He's been impeached by the House. Now the House has to go through all the steps to prove to the Senate that this is what needs to happen and make sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. This is why Pelosi wanted to wait so long to get it done or even to hand over the articles because she knew that this was just going to be sped through, processed like hamburger meat, and spat out as if it was nothing. Hi, almost. Does it matter anything any way that because they actually took an extra special oath with the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, John Roberts, that if he can it, can the can the House go after them for uh, lying under oath or lying to Congress? I mean, I think that a technical theoretical reading of the law, the answer would be yes. Um, I, I think that. The likelihood of some sort of criminal consequence occurring as a result of their, as you quite bluntly said, lying at the impeachment trial is pretty unlikely. Um, and, and I want to briefly respond to a couple of things that Copperhead said. Um, first off, I think your analysis is spot on. They absolutely could re-impeach him, and Miss um, Pelosi did a good job in setting it up because they looked so foolish. Anyone who was really paying attention to that trial, I mean, they really looked quite foolish. They did not make good arguments and essentially had no defense. Their defense was, so what? As Mick Mulvaney well, said, get over it. The cases that, that his lawyers were representing, himself, representing the president, they were arguing one side of the coin in one case and the opposite in the spotlight. Yeah, that was a fantastic point, and I thought that it, it – you know, good on Adam Schiff for making sure that that was well brought up in the public eye, uh, that um, in a lawsuit regarding a subpoena, um, the Justice Department was saying – the White House and the Republican Justice Department was saying that they don't have to turn over any documents in, in response to a subpoena because the remedy is impeachment, and then literally – at the same time, the lawyers were arguing, we can't impeach yet because you need to go subpoena this evidence. It's a ridiculous, contradictory argument, and, there's a whole and um, it's not made in good faith. The lawyers themselves, the individuals making the argument, know that it's not a good argument, um, and I'm starting to see more media, you know, like a little bit with NPR pushing back on Mike Pompeo and stuff like that. Um, I'm beginning to see a little bit more media stepping away from their fear of calling a spade a spade, and you know, when the argument is a disingenuous, false argument that the arguer doesn't believe, saying, "Come on, that's such a bad argument. I know you don't really believe that," but they don't do it nearly enough because the entire argument in in defense of impeachment was one big disingenuous argument. They don't actually believe that Trump is innocent. They know he's guilty. They just don't they care. Say, they say he did it, but they just don't think that it's enough for him to be impeached. They just don't like care. At what point in time is that line then, sirs? <laughs> no, at the very end of their arguments, they said the president did it. 
we just don't think he should. He, we just don't think it's impeachable. And mm-hmm. Alan Dutcherwitz got on the floor and made the most ridiculous and made the biggest <laughs> ass of himself. That I I can't even call him a professor anymore because I'm so disgusted with what he said because it's just so outrageously stupid. You have a four year old child would know it's a lie. I mean, right. it was just disgusting. It was a day, a very bad day in, for lawyers. It really was. Mm-hmm. It really was. But uh, here's your two-minute warning almost, and whenever you would mm-hmm. like to give your closing argument, we're ready for you. Okay, I'll go ahead and give it right now, and I'll just – I want to talk big picture about America and the country and how I perceive us moving forward. Uh your listeners may recall that I correctly predicted that Donald Trump would be impeached by the House and acquitted by the Senate, even though he was probably guilty. Um, I think what is likely to happen at this point, I wish they would, because as Copperhead correctly pointed out, they are legally allowed to do so. I wish they would impeach him again. I don't think they're going to for a bunch of reasons, um, political reasons, uh, party reasons, um, other things. Um, but I, I don't think they're going to. I wish they would. Um, I do think that we're going to continue to see a slow drip of information um, related to the Russia-slash-Ukraine investigation and uh, continued um, – new evidence of malfeasance from people like Bolton and Parnas. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much that's going to matter come the election in November, but I do see America moving forward in one of two ways. Um, And I'm very, very concerned about what happens if we are, if our institutions don't hold, you know, I, I, I can see the president becoming even more lawless even more brazen and even more um, aggressive in his misdeeds to throw the election in his own favor. And I, I think that is very likely to happen. And I the question it, is – Go ahead. Go I'm ahead. sorry. I was going to say okay, I no. think that if he happens to win mm-hmm. uh, the election, I think we will take mm-hmm. the Senate. And I think that then we will impeach him once again, and then I think he and will remove be removed him. from office. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think that that's that is a possibility, but I don't happen. think he'll leave. And I've mentioned that several times on this on this telephone. I mean, on this radio show, where I'm incredibly concerned that um, he and his enablers, because it's not just one man, you know, it's a whole group, um, will. No matter what happens in the election, refuse to leave, even if he loses by a landslide. And if he takes the oath of office in 2021 uh, and is impeached in July of 2021, I think, and removed from office by a conviction in the Senate, he's going to claim that it's illegitimate and he's going to say, You and what army? And I'm incredibly concerned about what happens if our institutions do not hold. Um, we we are in a slow moving slide to fascism and authoritarianism. Um, I don't think that that's that a crazy statement to make. Recall that we have literal concentration camps on our border with Tex- on our border with Mexico right now. Um, the issue uh, of 
the other way it could go is that our institutions hold well and um, the law enforcement agencies and um, the patriots and the FBI and the military don't stand for that kind of malfeasance that jeopardizes the um, orderly shifting of power from one party to another. I'm just – with the way the cult of Trump is, I don't think they'll let go of power, whether it's through impeachment or election. I'm incredibly afraid, and I hope that our patriots in the military, the FBI, the Secret Service, those kind of people can effectuate that change of power without bloodshed and violence. Um, so, and so I really hope that, that that's what happens, but I'm not sure. So do you think that if he went, if he loses, that he will not leave and that we will yes. not be able to actually remove him until a new president is sworn in? I am not certain, sir. I'm, I'm saying I'm afraid and I don't know what's going to happen. I think that if he loses, he will claim that it was rigged and that he's not leaving. And then what's going to happen when you know January 2021 rolls around and they're ready to inaugurate Pete Buttigieg and Donald Trump says, you won what army? I won the election. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's terrifying. And I'm really, really hopeful that our institutions hold and the country holds um, because if they do not, I mean, you know, move to freaking Canada or something because – uh, you don't want to be in, uh, you know, 1943 Germany or 1932 St. Petersburg. So, like, that's a, a bit of a depressing closing argument, and I like to be a positive person. You know, there's a lot of great people and smart people in America who see this, who understand that he's a lunatic and a dangerous person. But I don't know whether or not they're going to have the wherewithal and the power to stop him and um i suppose with that i will sign off absolutely and if you could do me a favor could you research yes, what actually would happen if a president refused to leave office on those terms I've done i can already research. tell you that it's never that it's never happened and i don't know what the legal recourse would be but i assume that it would be the united states marshal service would be responsible right. for physically removing him but I am very concerned that they would not do so out of perceived loyalty to his power. See, I don't think they're as loyal as you think they are. He doesn't pay I hope you're right, John. I really, really do. Anyway, it's right, been a real pleasure, and I bid you adieu. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you all Have a welcome. great night. All right, so Copperhead, what do you think of that? I think I'm on the other side of the coin with him. I think this next election is going to matter. In, in November, when we have this election, I want to see results by like 10 o'clock that night that makes a clear and definitive winner of who our president will be. I want people to be awake and to know the facts and to know the, the character of the uh, politicians that will be electing into office. And when there's a huge, uh, a huge gap between Donald Trump losing and the, our our nominee uh, winning, whoever that be, or if there's another Republican that runs that splits the vote and shows that the re all Republican parties aren't true Trumpers, that there are voices out there that think for themselves and see the corruption happening from the inside and don't want to have a part of it, that they see the need to remove Trump from office, even if it's with another Republican candidate. 
Either way, it would be interesting to see the American people speak out clearer and precise and it not be just 100 senators in office with their hands over their ears and they're going, la, 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 I can't hear you, and voting rank and file. So this exactly. next election will definitely be important. It will be important for us to share that with our friends and our families and make sure that the facts are on the table and that it's not just rank and file. All right, guys. So that was Almost Warwins from Warwins and None. Make sure you look them up on Instagram, on social media. Call their offices. Copperhead, we're going to need to take a quick break. And when we go to, as we go to break... Everybody out there, did you know Dallas has their share lives in Dallas? We are going to have Dallas's share on our radio show in the coming weeks. The story we're going to talk about and the way we're going to handle this is very shh. That Copperhead and I are still deciding it and speaking with Cher herself of Dallas. But uh, Copperhead, are you excited about this segment as I am? I love I love our chair. One of my really good friends. One of my really good friends too. All right, guys. This is Cher. If I could turn back time, like all of our listeners are wishing, if you could turn back time, make sure you follow us on Facebook at All You Need to Know Radio, on all social media, All You Need to Know Radio. I'm John Hollywood with Copperhead. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. off with the you're like most people you've been forced to stay in the past by your energy provider trapped in a fixed rate contract you really don't understand paying a bill that can be more of a shock than getting struck by lightning think about it you don't even know what type of energy you're using or when rates inflate or when they plunge or the fact your energy provider's variable price only varies based on how much pain they think you can take before switching All of the control is with them, leaving you in the dark. You see, the actual cost of energy goes up and down and changes every 15 minutes. And yet, your energy provider charges you the same fixed rate all the time. Now, if they set it somewhere around here, it might be an okay deal. But they set it up here, and if the price of energy drops, they pay less while you continue to pay the same fixed rate up here. Oh, and let's not forget all those little add-on fees with names you can't understand. So what you pay is oftentimes a lot more than what they pay. But we decided to change that. All of it. It's time to go gritty. Gritty connections directly to the actual price of energy, bypassing the middleman. You are charged only what it costs to produce and transport your energy. There's no confusing price plans, no markups, and no fixed contracts. All you pay for is your membership fee, which costs just pennies a day. And instead of wasting time figuring out how to charge you more, we provide things that really matter, like the now price of energy, so you know what you're paying any time of day. The amount you've paid so far, and what we estimate you will pay for the month. On top of that, we send you these really nifty things called gritty alerts that tell you when the price of energy is really high or really low, so you can decide when to run your dishwasher or charge your electric spaceship. 
But even if you do none of that, you still save boatloads of money just by being gritty. Which takes us to another reason to choose gritty. We love renewable energy, and we give you a tool to change the earth. When prices are high, it means dirty and inefficient power stations are toiling away trying to keep up with demand. But when prices are low, it's because renewable energy is working away at a very low cost, powered only by that bright sun and mighty wind. So remember, when it's cheapest, it's greenest. When you use Gritty Alerts, you'll not only save money, but also the planet. It's time to go gritty. So let's count down the ways you benefit. Access to no markup wholesale energy. No sign-up or early termination fees. No more bill shops. Know what you spend when you spend it. Price alerts that let you know when energy is cheap and green. All as a gritty member for just pennies a day. And everyone who signs up gets a free puppy. All right, that's not true. But since gritty is the fairest deal in energy, unplug your charged electric station, hop into the pilot seat, and join us in the future. Houston, you are cleared for taking Gritty, it's on. everybody before we get back to the show i wanted to uh give uh, a really good friend of mine a uh shout out uh avi and i wanted to let you guys know he um he has some properties out there if you're looking for a new place to live that uh they're pretty incredible uh they're amazingly uh located like near downtown in the shopping area and i don't know if you've been in downtown dallas lately However, they have really, really stepped it up in downtown Dallas, especially in the uptown division. And uh, I know this area kind of well, and it's done really, really well. Uh, Copperhead will be joining us here in just a minute. And um, uh, but real quick, um, this address is going to be at, um, here we go, it's going to be at 9 or I'm, excuse me, I'm reading nine somewhere else. It's 2014 Bennett Avenue. That is 2014 Bennett Avenue. Make sure that you, um, Dallas, Texas, of course, uh, 75206. You can give him a call at uh, 214-796-9196. That's 214-796-9196. Now, let me tell you the amazing deal about this, and um, we weren't given a lot of stats about this, so I'm trying to research a little bit about it. Um, it's $950, all bills paid. That sound good to you? <laughs> I'm trying to uh, look this up here real quick. Uh, he has incredible uh, floor plans all over this. 
once again, if you're looking for a new place to live, a safe place to live, because I know that safety is very important to Avi, this place right here is going to go fast, guys. They are going to sell this complex up quickly at $950, all bills paid. I don't think I've heard all bills paid in a very, very long time. 2014 Bennett Avenue, Dallas, Texas, 75201. I think there's people standing by to take your call right now at 214-796-9196. That's 214-796-9196. You can also follow Avi at AVI826 on Instagram. And uh, let's give him some love out there, guys. Let's give him some followers on his Instagram page. Seriously, really, $950? Avi, I might be calling you. <laughs> uh, seriously, $950, all bills paid. First of all, I haven't heard all bills paid in anything. Now, I haven't looked for a place to live, but I know friends that have. So that's actually really, really cool. And um, you definitely, if you have any questions, you can email those to our, us if you're not doing it. Or just go to Avi on his uh, social media pages, and uh, you'll be able to do what you do as far as look everything up, get some interviews set up so you can go and you can uh, look at the complex. Like I said, they're going to go fast. Now back to All You Need to Know Radio. Thank you, Avi. <laughs> you come with me, baby. This feeling inside my bones It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on All from my city, all from my home We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone I got that sunshine in my pocket Got that good soul in my feet I feel that hot blood in my body So when it drops, ooh I can't take my eyes off of it Moving so phenomenally that cannot jam to Justin Timberlake. If you're in a bad mood, man, that's an artist that can bring you to your feet and dance. What do you say to that, Copperhead? you agree with me on that term right there? Contrast for our Entertainment of the Weekend song, our Entertainment of the Weekend happens to be Paisley. Uh, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You're giving away with what I was saying, though. Hold on. <laughs> I, was, I was saying that uh, Justin Timberlake, He's one right. of the, the, these artists that can uh, bring you to your feet when you're having a bad day. Absolutely. And I'm saying he's a great contrast to our next artist because he's so uplifting and upbeat. Well, give me just a couple of seconds because uh, the producers don't seem to have this song logged. Or maybe I have dropped the ball just for a second on it. Hey, Copperhead, talk about our entertainment watch uh, with the sad passing of Kurt uh, Douglas. Michael Douglas and Charlie Sheen. Charlie, no, it's not Charlie Sheen. Michael Douglas, 
father passed away at 103 years old. And talk about him a little bit for me. Well, he was an American actor, producer, director, philanthropist, and writer, and uh, made his name. And he's a part of the family of the that becomes the uh, Douglases and the um, who's his grandson. Um, excuse me, my whole mind went completely blank. But the Douglases as a whole are a big royalty family in Hollywood, as is uh, Eric Douglas, uh, Joel Douglas. Uh, who am I thinking of his grandson? He's place in Mighty Ducks. The mind went completely blank. Oh, 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 yes. I know who you're talking about. He's the not famous guy. He did that show, and I haven't heard another word about him. Right. And, he, uh, and his uh, Charlie Sheen family, too, right? So, Charlie, that's what I was asking. Is Charlie Sheen's family uh, akin to them or something? Because their names pops in my head. Because Michael Douglas is no, 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 no. Hold on, back up. Remember, Michael Michael Douglas's son went to prison for possession and a big addict, but he's now out and doing very well. We wish him the best. So sadly, yeah. Kurt Douglas so, I mean, died. Go ahead. Uh, Michael Douglas and Martin Sheen are not related. No, they're uh, not. Charlie Sheen's father is Martin Sheen. Sorry, they are related. Charlie Sheen's father is Martin Sheen, and Emilio Estevez, as you were speaking of earlier. Charlie kept the, the Sheen's last name. Emilio Estevez kept his birth name. They're Absolutely. both school brothers and had to move out in the 90s when Minute Work. <laughs> well, at 103 years old, this gentleman, Kurt Douglas, led an exemplar, exemplary life. He, I never heard a scandal about him. I never heard about him cheating on his wife. Oh, that's the president. And actually working to keep his whole family in check. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's hard in today's society, especially when you make money. Money's put in front of you, and it, it opens doors that sometimes you wish they would have never opened in your life. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, Charlie Sheen is a prime example of that. He's just his grandson, and, you know, he he got kicked off of Two and a Half Men for being kind of crazy and had a reputation. At, at $1.2 million an episode – he went after Chuck Lord, which is the one who wrote the damn. It, it, it it's just crazy. But believe it or not, they're still after saying they would never put him back on TV. Guess what? He's in syndication. He's making money somehow. So, all right. So rest in peace, Kurt Douglas. One hundred and three years old. I believe it's one of the oldest people in the history of this country to live that long. Congratulations with that, and I'm so glad your family got to have you around for that long. We will switch right over to our song pick of the week, and I know Copperhead loves that. Go ahead. Well, this is definitely a little bit on the morbid side, too. We're going to be playing for you a a Paisley Graveyard, which is a a kind of a portrait of what our world's kind of been at right now. It's kind of going down the tube. Sorry, Copperhead, I didn't even I didn't, I didn't even think of the name of the song and then what we just talked about. Sorry, buddy. Right, it's, it's such a contrast with the, my, the uh, Justin Timberlake song earlier. Uh, she's been kind of crazy. She's got a great sound to her. It's de- definitely de- uh, unique in her all the way through. She wrote a lot of her songs on her album, and she's really um, been nominated for a ton of awards. Her her album right now has gone uh, gold in America, which means that it sold over five hundred thousand copies alone. 
And so that album has shot up the charts. The cover of the album is actually one of the uh, videos that she shot. She paints a time-lapse picture of herself, and that becomes the cover of her video, of the cover of her album from that video, which I thought was kind of a cool piecing it together kind of art and craft kind of thing. And uh, keeping it real, she did Saturday Night Live last weekend, and she has one of those voices where she could literally stand there in a beautiful black dress like someone like Celine Dion, who was in Dallas this week, by the way, um, and not have to look so trashy. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, I just was not – there are artists out there that have to put on the lingerie and the leather and nothing. I have nothing, nothing, I have nothing against leather. You know that, Copperhead. In fact, I really enjoy leather a lot of the times. Is that too much information for our audience? No, they like to know everything about us. Um, you can actually go <laughs> to the Eagle on Saturday night and see Copperhead every night. I mean, every Saturday night. Ask for Larry when you're there. Um, in any case, um, I just wasn't – it just really hit me the wrong way when I saw her try to do such a sexual dance and routine to a song like this. But in any case, it's our song pick of the week, and let's do this. So America and people around the world can know who she is. Introduce her. This is Hazley Graveyard. All right, guys in America and everybody around the world. This is Hazley Graveyard. It's our song pick of the week. And it's new and it's dangerous and it's in your face. And it's Graveyard. Take a listen. Let that sink in Think again When I hand you what I hold Is a weapon in nothing but skin Okay, I keep digging myself down Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on this very special edition of All You Need to Know Radio, and special in the way that it is the first show that we have done where our worthless-ass president is now and will forever be known in the history books is the impeached Donald John Trump. Guys, get out and vote. Make sure you are registered to vote, and vote blue no matter what. This guy is a psychopath that is in the White House right now. And if you missed it, once again, my hero, Nancy Pelosi, put him in his place. We're on live television standing right behind him. If he'd have turned around for one second, he would have seen it. She took his speech that he had given her at the beginning of the night. 
And because it was so full of lies, she was like, this is trash. And she just tears it up. And she's like, I am not going to hold this piece of trash in my hand one more moment because it's full of nothing but lies. And America doesn't stand for lies, no matter how much the president wants us to believe he does it. She also went to um, a station and said that she prays for the president. And Donald Trump had the nerve to say he doesn't believe that. Her response to that? I don't really care what Donald Trump thinks or believes because he's so off the charts on everything. I really don't think he knows what he wants in life. So that's pretty sad as someone 70-something years old. And in doing that, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us again. My name is John Hollywood. We had the pleasure of always having our amazing co-host. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm still trying to get over my... Um, I had, I had walking pneumonia, guys. It's serious out there. Make sure you bundle up. It's fucking cold in Dallas. Um, but we also had um, almost Warwinch with Warwinch and Nun, our best injustice guys. So remember, join us next week at 8 o'clock on Thursday night. And remember, keep preaching for the stars because that's where it all begins. Never let anyone tell you who you can love, how to love them, how to make your dreams come true, or how to make yourself feel happy. And wake up every single morning and look yourself in the mirror and say, what have I done today to make myself feel proud? Good night, live from Dallas, Texas. Thank you for joining us.